You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. All the girls are complicated. Episode 125 of the Christian Feminist Podcast. I'm Ilea Danner Grubbs, and with me today are Katie Grubbs and special guest Megan Floyd. Hello, Katie, Megan. Hi. Hello. Let's introduce ourselves for any listeners that are new to the program. Megan, since you're new, why don't you go first? Hey, I'm Megan Floyd. Uh, I live south of Birmingham, Alabama with my husband, Jonathan. Um, he's an honorary Grubbs, by the way. And our four kids, ages 6, 8, 11, and 12. Um, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in international relations, studying like global governance, statecraft, diplomacy, and security uh, from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And now I homeschool my kids and do some part-time work from home, writing grants and maintaining social media for a nonprofit moderate residential facility for teenage girls. Awesome. That's a that's an exciting uh, list of things that you do on a daily basis there. Uh, that's pretty great. Katie, what about you? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like, I'm super impressed. Um, I'm Katie Grubbs, and I live in Sugarland, Texas, where I am an adjunct professor of English at Houston Baptist University, where my husband, David Grubbs, of the Christian Humanist Podcast also works. Uh, I'm also a, a women's Bible study teacher at our church, Grand Parkway Baptist, and we um, have four kids, so I spend most of my time taking care of them when I'm not teaching or um, teaching Bible study, and uh, they are... Me, I have to back up. Um, they are eight and five, four, and then the baby will be two um, very soon. Listeners, I do know my children's ages. It's just been a long day, so it took me a second to line all the numbers up in my head. And one of mine turned. Yeah, I wrote it down. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel better. Well, and my 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 oldest turned eight literally not even a week ago. So I, I keep having to correct and not say seven because she just turned eight. So, yeah, right. and that that's me. Well, my oldest just turned eight uh, like a, a month ago, and I still sometimes can't remember it because it doesn't seem possible. So I get that. Um, and I'm Ilea Danner Grubbs. I live in Trustville, Alabama, and uh, I live with my husband, Brian, and my two young children, and they are eight and four. And uh, I'm an elementary education teacher by trade, um, by profession, but I homeschool now. And uh, have been homeschooling for a couple of years and love it. Um, I teach Bible study at our uh, church, at our women's ministry. And um, I uh, enjoy, well, right now I'm not doing much at all. We're pretty much home all the time. So I was trying to think, like, what do I do? Well, I don't do much now. So uh, I think all of us have a pretty short list of uh, activities that we're doing these days. But um, Megan, did you get to talk about your kids? Did you want to, since we're talking about Mother's Day, um, did you want to tell us about your kids a little bit? Well, um, I mean, like I just, I named off how old they are. Uh, um, what, what, is there something specific that you would like for me to say? Or is there... <laughs> no, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're crazy. Like, I don't know. Um, Annie was telling Jonathan 
he was he was telling them he was giving them the rules their rules for while we're on the call and she was like oh it's okay miss alia said that um they can erase it and fix it if if we if if you're ugly is what she said and i was like yeah okay and that's pretty much like that's that's my life that's 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 your life right that's awesome well since we're talking about mother's day um i thought we could start by kind of describing what Mother's Day was like for each of us when we were growing up, you know, when we were the the children honoring our mothers, and then kind of what Mother's Day is like now that we are mothers. Um, and, uh, and kind of like, do you see it or did you see it as an overall positive experience? What, what did you, what do you, what are your feelings about it both then, you know, growing up and then now that you're mothers? Um, Katie, what about you? What do you think? So when I was a kid, we we always did a big you know I mean not a huge thing but we always did stuff for my mom for Mother's Day my dad has the personality that my dad loves to celebrate us um and like he was the kind of dad who would come home with a dozen roses for my mom on Valentine's Day and a half dozen for me and my little sister when we were tiny girls like just to make us feel important um and so he always would get her gifts for Mother's Day. Um, I don't usually remember them doing like a meal out and away from us because I guess it was Mother's Day. He thought she would want to be with us. But we, um, you know, we would usually either all go out to eat as a family or, um, you know, he might cook something. I don't know. Um, I can't remember about that. But he would always get her a gift and he would always encourage us to give her a card or something. Um, so we always made little homemade cards when we were kids um, or, you know, would if dad bought a card we might write a message in it, but, um, I remember mostly making them. And then once I was big enough that I was making money, I would buy my mom a present myself. Um, and I would always write a really heartfelt note, um, in my card every year. My mom told me she saved them all. Um, a lot of times, especially as I was bigger, I would have a little bit of guilt around Mother's Day because I would realize that I probably didn't say to my mom enough that I appreciated her the rest of the year. So I would then want to write, you know, a big, big deal message in her card Um, and I still remember one year when I was about 15 16 and I had been making I had started making money and working jobs I bought her a really pretty like at a festival in our town like a bird feeder that was like like a ceramic bird feeder that was made to look like a flower or something and it hung on chains I can't she still has it I mean you know I see it when I'm at her house Um, and we usually also would do um, once I got um, let me see once I was in high school towards the end of high school we would always usually do something for my grandma too, um, a gift for my grandma because she lived with us at that point. For a long time, she lived in my parents' house, and um, my mom and dad would always send cards to the other grandmas, too. So it was a big deal. Um, now that I'm grown, we don't really do that much. Um, dearly, though, I love him. My husband is not a big card person. Um, and uh, so we, it's very low key for Mother's Day. Um, some years he's gotten me a gift that's like a surprise. Um, the only year I remember being annoyed by the lack of big time celebration for Mother's Day in our house is I think Arden was a baby. So it may have been my first Mother's Day, possibly my second. I know we still lived in Kansas, so she was pretty tiny. And I spent the whole day stewing and feeling resentful because I thought he had forgotten about Mother's Day. But really, he just didn't think to give me the gift that he bought me until the very end of the day. Um, and then I felt terrible, you know, and I felt bad. I know, right? That's very David, though. That um, sounds so David. I can't even. That is, um, yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, listeners, you should. We have all known each other for a very long time. This is a slightly unusual, I think, CFP episode because we it all is, have known each other yeah. for such a long time and are basically family. So, um, but yeah, well, okay, you and I actually are family. So. Well, that's right. Yeah, you and I are family. Megan's as good as as good as family. family. Um, pr- yeah, yeah. We're good as good as. That's why I was like, I'm an honorary grubs. I'm here. It's, it's true. Um, 
but so you know so and, and the thing is too that um the way that we kind of roll and this is true for my birthday too birthday and mother's day if there's something because i know that that's kind of how he is that he's less of a person who makes it want you know th- thinks ahead of time to make a huge deal, whatever. If there's something that I know that I want or that I know I want to do, I will just say for Mother's Day this year or for my birthday, if it's my birthday, this is what I'd like to do. And he'll say, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, and so then I just do what I want. And so, um, and I think in some ways it's been, it's, it's, it's been interesting. And there were some, you know, some, some teething troubles in the beginning of our marriage, because basically I had to adjust to the fact that my husband's not my dad and that's fine. Like, you know, um, that's not as much his personality and I'm cool with that. He's also the kind of person that if I, like a year or two ago, I said, and I was not mad. I said, babe, you know, I know you're not a car person. I get that. That's totally cool. The thing is, I really see the day that I don't know that I have any handwritten notes from you. And like one day, if I predecease you, I don't want our kids to look through my stuff and think you never loved me because there's nothing like, you know, no cards or, you know, (laughs) Um, and so, but so I said, so could you write me something? In the next, like, month or two, could you write something for me? And then, you know, two days later, on my bedside table is a full-on sonnet written that he wrote. Oh, that's like, precious. So that's the thing is that, you know, that is sweet. Um, it was really sweet um, and really well done because he's actually a really good poet. Um, he wrote me a, a proposal sonnet way back in the day when he proposed. Um, so it's like a thing, I guess. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, so it's, it's very casual. Um, not as much like when I was a kid. But I think that, you know, every family's different and you have to adjust to personalities. And I think that um, I don't mind a more casual Mother's Day with less, you know, overt celebration now that I'm a grown up, in part because there are so many other things about our relationship that are pretty much perfect. And so I'm not going to get my, you know, my backup about um, a lack of Mother's Day celebration. Also, another reason I don't think I mind that David being very casual about things like Mother's Day is because I think that in a lot of families, dads will go way over the top for Mother's Day to try to make up for other stuff that's not so great. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, I try to balance the level of celebration and if it makes me feel good or if I don't think you did enough I try to always balance that with everything else that's happening in our lives and not try to you know judge our our relationship or judge our home based on once a year celebrations like Mother's Day that kind of thing so that's, that's a really good point. um that was a lot but that's that's <laughs> kind of the stuff I've been thinking about um so uh um so yeah. yeah that's a really good point yeah and I think it's interesting that you brought up right away I thought about this too how much um, Mother's Day has to do with the father, actually. Like, because yeah, moms yeah. are obviously yeah. not going to set up their own party and their own gifts and everything, unless you know, like you said, that's come kind of like you've come to an agreement. But a lot of it depends on on the dad for sure. And, Megan, what um, about you? Oh, and I should say too. Sorry, my parents also send me a Mother's Day card, so my oh, parents also sorry. celebrate me on Mother's that's Day. Sweet. Yeah, which that's is yes. Nice, so go ahead, Megan. Okay. Um. So growing up. I, I knew Mother's Day was a thing. I mean, you know, like we were making stuff in school and doing things like that. But um, what I remember about Mother's Day is more more the commercial aspect. Like, I mean, because, you know, even when we were young, they would do cards and some commercials. Um, and, and that's more what I remember about Mother's Day. I don't really remember it on a personal level. Because my dad, my dad was not that kind of person. He was not, he, he was more the kind of person that he would do something like you were saying, he would do some like larger gesture to make up for something else, but there was not really any rhyme or reason to it. Um, 
so like I can remember one thing that I made for my mom like you were talking about something you had gotten we made these these little flower pots they were plastic flower pots and they had like paper inserts that you drew on it so it's like a two-part flower pot with a paper insert I don't know if I'm making sense but um so we we like at school we had made them I don't remember what went in it but that's what she kept the longest and I think even the last time I guess it was the last time that I noticed it at her house she was like yeah I've always kept that you made that for me and I'm like but like I made you a lot of things so that just kind of thinking about it today that stuck out to me is kind of it's kind of weird the flower pot um I think knowing now um, details that I know about, you know, family dynamics and and kind of life history details, it it makes sense to me that Mother's Day was never um, was never a big deal at our house. And I'll talk more about that um, a little bit later. Um, It was we we observed it, but it was like a checkbox we we would like check mark okay we did it mm. um and we would get cards and stuff and send mail a lot of the time we were we were out of state we weren't with our grandparents so we would get mail and send mail to grandparents and like we would call my mother's mother we didn't talk to my father's mother quite as much but i mean like definitely once a week while we were out of state i mean you know like this was like long distance i don't i don't know what it cost but it costs you know a lot of money to call and actually talk so we would call like once a week and then we would call on special days like that and i think maybe that kind of made it hard so um growing up mother's day was was maybe neutral and then um as i've gotten older it's it's not been it's not been great um I, I just don't really like Mother's Day. I try really hard because I, I like routine and I like tradition and I like kind of that cyclical, like, this is something we look forward to, you know, as spring rolls into summer. But but I don't like it. I, I want to like it. Um, now that I have got kids, um, my, my first Mother's Day after after my oldest son, Quinn, was born, um, he actually, he spent the weekend with my mom. Um and probably, probably for the first four or five years, um, that I was a mother, like that's, that's kind of what happened. My kids would go spend the weekend with my mom and my stepdad and I would get them, me and Jonathan would go meet them for lunch and pick up the boys, um, and then bring them back and go see Jonathan's mom, my husband's mom. Um, and that was just kind of like that, that was it. And then, um, we started losing grandmothers, um, I lost my great grandmother and then two years later we had lost my um, mother's mother and it just got to where Mother's Day was just really sad for everybody um was immediately sad for everybody so now at this point I just try to be nice to myself um and kind of I don't I don't know like I guess shepherd the kids in observing and honoring um the mothers that are in our life like their grandmothers and um aunts and and um kind of like great aunts and things like that um but we just we just don't do a whole lot for mother's day um jonathan jonathan kind of tries my husband jonathan tries but i don't know and now i feel like i'm rambling but um but yeah, like to me it's it's more important for my kids to to know that it exists kind of as a milestone than to even try to make it be like a super exciting thing. 
I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's no, where we are right now. Yeah, yeah that definitely sure. makes sense. Um, and I think you really touched on some of the issues we're going to talk about in a minute about like why it's such a loaded emotional holiday for sure. Um, when I was growing up, we, I mean, made cards. That's the only thing I really remember is like we made cards, like homemade cards, you know, with construction paper. Um, and we did like maybe breakfast in bed a couple of times, you know, with a little tray. Um, but my dad was not super involved in a lot of that. And so like we were talking about, like it just kind of was just, you know, very low key. There was not a lot of commercialism. I think maybe some flowers sometimes, um, but even as we grew, yeah. even as we grew up, I just there wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal. It was just you know maybe we would go out for lunch, but like I mean we didn't really work in high school because we, you know we just didn't. Um, so we didn't have a lot of spending money. You know it wasn't like we had like money to buy stuff. So um, she might you know take herself out with us. I guess I don't know really how you say that, but um, but yeah, it was just always very low key. Um, and I for most of my uh, growing up, um, I was raised by a single mom. So that's part of it too, is that again, you know, she was the one there, so she's not going to throw herself a big party or whatever. Um, and then, um, when I became a mom, um, I, I'm, I think I cried the first five mother's days <laughs> um, on mother's day, like for the first five years. Um, I just, I, it was a struggle for me to adjust to kind of, expectations and um you know it was a lot uh when when my kids were were babies I had postpartum depression and so it made it even more heavy um kind of and uh it's only been the last couple of years that I feel like I've really kind of made peace with Mother's Day um and it's funny because like we don't celebrate Valentine's Day we don't make a big deal out of a lot of the kind of what, what I call hallmark holidays like we don't so it's it's funny that I even like care that much about Mother's Day but you know, maybe I haven't had as long to uh, to get used to it and form an opinion of it. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not it's not a negative experience for me now, but it is just kind of um, it's a lot. It's just a lot. And uh, so so that's that's kind of where I am now. And it's not it's not bad. It's just like you were saying, Katie, like I've come to the point where I just say what I want. Um, for, you know, if I like, I would like to do this for Mother's Day, or I would like to have this happen for Mother's Day, it's it's a lot easier. It's not, you know, I, I would just love for everybody to just intuitively know what it is that would bless my soul, you know. Um, but I, I've kind of right. faced with the fact that that's not a thing that's going to happen. Um, and that's fine. You know, like, I, I love to give gifts, and I love to intuitively know what is going to make somebody like filled with joy, but not everybody does. And that's, you know, cool. Um, so, um, so that's been kind of part of my, my growing process too, like you were saying, like in a relationship, but, um, well, let's move into the reading section. I wanted to take a look at the, uh, the history of Mother's Day because it has a fascinating history in America. Um, Katie, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I didn't know about any of this till we were researching for the episode and I was, was fascinated. Um, and so Mother's Day was founded by a woman named Anna Jarvis, but um, to really get at why she started it, you kind of have to go just a little bit back into her past. Um, so um, her mother, Anne Reeves Jarvis, had had mother's work clubs to fight things like infant mortality by um, agitating for improved sanitation, and then also mother's work clubs later on to nurse Civil War soldiers. So this was in the mid-19th century. Um, and in 1868, the mother, Anne Reeves Jarvis, started something called Mother's Friendship Day as a way to bring together Union and Confederate mothers um, in West Virginia, which is where she lived, because there were people on both sides there. 
Um, and then just two years after that, Julia Ward Howe um, released her Mother's Day proclamation, which was encouraging women to help peacekeeping efforts by getting involved in politics. And those were, so so that was kind of all happening around the same time um, in the kind of mid to late 19th century. Years and years later in 1905, when Anna Reeves Jarvis, the mother died, her daughter, Anna Jarvis was completely devastated. Um, and two or three years later, opinions divided about whether it was 1907 or 1908, she started Mother's Day to memorialize her own mother. Um, and it was celebrated in the beginning in two places um, in West Virginia where they lived at um, her own Methodist church in her hometown and at a Pennsylvania department store because that's where she had was currently living. Um, she also started the tradition of carnations as flowers for Mother's Day because she sent 500 white carnations back to her hometown to remember her mother. Um, and it became popular pretty quick after that, um, West Virginia was the first state to adopt it in 1910. By 1914, President Woodrow Wilson was signing it into law and after it had passed Congress. And at that point, it was set to be the second Sunday in May, which is when it's always held. Um, to Jarvis, um, and I thought this was one of the most interesting things, which listeners will link in the show notes. I, I All of this is laid out in actually a really good article um, that Leah sent us, which was um, at People Magazine, of all things. Um, it's actually in-depth and has tons of facts in it. And I was, right? impre- I was impressed. Um, I was surprised. I know. Well, and I, I grew up reading the print the print edition of People Magazine, which only has so much space. Maybe online they have more room to give more information. Um, but one of the quotes that they had in that article that I thought was interesting from a, a scholar who studied the history of it is that um, for Jarvis, Mother's Day was a day where you'd go home to spend time with your mother and thank her for all that she did, not a day to celebrate all mothers. Um, to Anna Jarvis, it was not about motherhood in general. It was about you should celebrate your specific mother, which is why Anna Jarvis stressed she used the singular spelling M-O-T-H-E-R apostrophe S, Mother's Day, singular possessive, not the plural Mother's Day, M-O-T-H-E-R-S apostrophe. She actually incorporated herself as Mother's Day International Association and literally spent the rest of her life fighting the commercialization of Mother's Day, um, which mainly consisted of filing various lawsuits against the flower card and candy candy industries um, for using Mother's Day as a promotional tactic. Um, She crashed trade conventions. She got arrested. At one point, she went after the American War Mothers Organization. Um, who were using, who were like selling Mother's Day carnations to raise money for the war effort and the Postal Service. Um, at, uh, at one point, she had 33 different lawsuits happening at the same time. Um, she, in the, the rest of the course of her life, she, um, she never married or, or had children um, and basically spent, you know, all of her time devoted to um, trying to keep Mother's Day what she made it. Um, rather than, you know, it becoming this big commercial thing. Um, that's that's kind of how it got started and then how it continued. After she passed away, I think in 1948, and um, supposedly at the end of her life had, quote, mellowed and was not as um, vehemently opposed to what it had become as she was in her earlier years, but she herself from pretty soon after it became a thing had a conflicted relationship with the holiday um, because she didn't want it to be commercial at all so that's kind of that's kind of the history um and i i was fascinated i didn't know any of that so um hopefully listeners will find it interesting too 
Yeah, it's kind of sad to to see she spent most of her money and uh, at the end of her life ended up in like a sanitarium at some point. And um, it's definitely a a bittersweet story. Um, I think it's interesting. Like we were saying, you know, there's so much emotion and and uh, kind of weight around Mother's Day, even from the beginning of its inception. Um, it's been a sensitive issue, even for the the first person who you know worked to to put it into. Um, kind of a, an established holiday. Um, and we definitely see that today as well. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk for a little bit about um, why that is, why Mother's Day can be so uh, difficult or problematic um, to a lot of people, um, even more so than other holidays that celebrate um, societal roles like Father's Day or Grandparents' Day or even Veterans' Day. Um, I feel like this Mother's Day has just so much tension around it. Um, and the perfect example is that when I was talking to people about doing this podcast episode, I had several women decline to participate specifically because the topic was too sensitive and painful for them to discuss. Um, and I think that, that that just speaks volumes to me. Um, I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. And I think there's more reasons than we could possibly cover, you know, in, uh, in this episode. Um, and a lot of them may be personal issues, um, family history, uh, personal expectations, family circumstances, you know, all of those things are to be expected with any holiday. Um, but I also think that there are some bigger societal issues that really surface around this time. Um, and that's what I want to focus on for a second. So we read a couple of articles touching on some of this, and I'm going to put the links in the show notes, uh, listeners, so that you can um, read them. The first one is from Crosswalk.com, and it's entitled, uh, Why We Should Celebrate All Women on Mother's Day. And I chose it because it's kind of a case-in-point example of the um, oversimplification and then converse overgeneralization that happened on Mother's Day. And when I say oversimplification, um, what I'm talking about is, um, for example, when pastors ask all mothers to stand on Sunday for a round of applause or all mothers receive a flower at the beginning of the service. You know, this this very general, uh, like simplified view of you're either a mother or not. Let's acknowledge the mothers. And, and it ends up leaving out a bunch of women who maybe struggle with infertility, women who have difficult relationships with their own mother or their children, women whose children have passed away and they're unsure. Do I stand? Do I not? Do I take a rose? Do I not? Um, that can be very painful. Um, I personally know several women who don't go to church on Mother's Day uh, because of those types of experiences and just the, the hurt and the pain that it, it causes. Um, but then on the other side, I also know women who get frustrated by what they see as this kind of broad brush like this article is talking about that says, well, Mother's Day can make some women feel excluded for various reasons. So let's just include all women and, and try to acknowledge everybody. And I've heard, you know, pastors and and speakers recognize aunts and coaches and even single dads, uh, teachers, friends, dog moms as, as part of, you know, people who need to be included in, um, in Mother's Day. And the article that I posted or that, that we read even quotes one author as saying that she's a word mama because she's an author. Um, and, and so this can feel hurtful to mothers because it feels like, well, then there's no recognition for the specific job that we're doing that is mothering. Um, and that's not to diminish women who fill different roles at all. But if the idea is to recognize the specific role of mother, which most people agree is a pretty thankless job most of the time, um, it can feel like even that one day of thanks is now kind of taken away. Um, so it's, it, you know, there's, there's definitely both sides of it, but, um, what did you guys think about the article and, and this idea? Have you seen these issues in your own experiences? Megan, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, this article in particular, it it really bothered me. Um, I, I mean, you, I, I don't love Mother's Day for a lot of reasons, but, but none of them are the reasons, sort of, the, the different points that she kind of bounces around and discusses in the actual article. Um, it, one thing that jumped out at me and... I just I had to I had to I had to to step away. Um, so one of the I guess I don't know, is it at least it's not the woman that wrote it. Yes, it is. It's the woman who wrote the post. Okay, the woman who wrote the post says motherhood is its own mission field, and no one is disqualified from serving. And I just thought, like, I thought that's so cute. Like, but not cute. Like, adorable, cute. Like, cute. Like, like, like I'm insulting it. Cute. Um, when you say things like no one is disqualified from motherhood. Um, I think it's damaging from the direction of you. You do, in fact, have women who biologically birth children who are not physically or emotionally capable of caring for those children. And that, and I'm not even talking about like, oh, maybe they don't have enough money. I'm talking about we've got we've got a lot of situations where um where I like I don't even know I don't really want to get into specifics about it but I thought that's just almost hateful to be like nobody's disqualified and then and then to include men so like we we need to include men in Mother's Day um men are our mothers um I just I don't know I just kind of reject this idea that um that anyone who's in a nurturing role needs to be called mother or even like father or parent. Like, like why can't we like dial it back and say nurturer? Um, and it's like, does that, does that ring true for you? Am I making any sense? Um, yes, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. I wrote on my paper after I read that article, if everyone's a mother, then no one is like in the incredible, right. if everyone's super, then no one's super. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, not, and not to slate, you know, I mean, not to slate people for who aren't parents, but uh, you, you got, you hit the nail on the head when you said, said that about nurturing. Cause I was thinking about it later and I thought really that, that view kind of traffics in stereotypes. Cause it's basically saying all women are nurturing. So let's celebrate all women. Right. And, and, and like, or, and, or, maybe not even just women though like Leah it's funny to me to think that you said mentioned some people sometimes people celebrating single dads on Mother's Day like why not celebrate them on Father's Day and just mm-hmm. acknowledge their fatherhood right. like their fathers because they're having to do both I mean by that logic then mother single moms get celebrated on Father's Day too it's very strange I I don't I don't like that um, and I don't really see a corresponding clamor to celebrate all men on Father's Day so agreed completely. Which, I think that's one of yes. the big points which that says I hear to me that it's a, yeah. it is that it's a stere- it's it's stereotyping all women as nurturing and motherly even if they're not mothers. And to me that's not helpful. I you know um I I have seen what you're talking about Leah where the way that Mother's Day is sometimes celebrated could be exclusionary or could be hurtful. Um, at my grandma's church, uh, back when I was in high school, um, or no, early college, my parents were going to church for a time that my grandma also went to, and I happened to be with them uh, home from college one weekend for Mother's Day, and that was crazy town because they had all the mothers stand up, and then they they um, had them start. I don't know if they had them start sitting down if they did it in waves. Basically, they 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 did various stands ups and sits down until they until they figured out who in the room had the oldest child, 
and who had the youngest child. Mm-hmm. Our church has done something similar. And, and I remember thinking, I, I can think of a lot of old ladies that wouldn't want to participate in that because if everybody knows that your kid is 67, now everybody knows how old you probably are. And you might not enjoy that, <laughs> um, but it, you know, it just, it felt overdetermined to me. Um, and I know this is, may not be the best time to say it, but the, my favorite thing that I ever saw a church do ever for Mother's Day was not anything to do with what happened in the service. But when we lived in Kansas, right next to our house was a little tiny, um, I think it was like a Free Will Baptist Church or I, I don't, Pentecostal Church, I can't remember. But their sign one year around Mother's Day, their church sign said, bring your mom to church this Sunday. We'll pretend we know you. And I loved it. And and I thought if I was churchless, I might walk in just because it was so funny. But and I but I loved the irreverence of that because so often church on, you know, church and church on Mother's Day is like saccharine. It just is. And I mean, I'm a mom like I, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not averse to celebrating moms, but it's it's it can be annoyingly like when I, I was looking for something to recommend for this episode and I stumbled on that there are websites and websites online of short videos about Mother's Day that you can show in your church. Yes. Um, and I was like, can we not just. Our know. church definitely shows those um, every, every, so, every year. So, yeah, it, it's just, you know, anyway, um, I, yes, oh, Megan, I, I agree with everything you said about that particular article and the reasons why it was, it was frustrating because it feels like, I don't think the answer, cause it, it is true that it can be hurtful for some people, but I don't think the answer is to broaden it out so much so that it, it's just meaningless. I, I, to me, a better solution would be to not do anything special or different on mother's day on in church than any right. other Sunday, like, and just let it be right. something, let, let it be about each person's individual mom at home. Like Anna Jarvis was on about yeah, um, I think also another another thing it, to me, this like brought up like you're saying it brought up these points about Mother's Day is painful and it's exclusionary. But I mean, like in that in it being painful and exclusionary, you've got multiple issues and multiple levels of issues. You've got grieving women who want to be mothers biologically and and like and like they're sort of being betrayed by their bodies. So you've got these women who may even be pregnant or may have delivered babies, but they don't have those babies. So are they mothers? They feel like mothers. They've gone through, you know, this huge rite of passage as mothers, but but do they count? And and I think that they should be included in a special gentle way. Like I'm not saying like like we should have a very strict definition of mother, but like you've you've got these women who who biologically want to be mothers and can't, and then on the other hand, you've got women who are who are nurturing and who are deliberately um, opening up their homes and opening up their t- their time and their energy and their resources to people who are not their children, but they're still like like even calling everyone a mother and calling everyone capable of being a mother also diminishes that sacrifice for like these people, like foster moms, adoptive moms, um, like, you know, aunts and stuff who step up and feel not just like, Oh, I'm going to be nice to this child or, or I'm going to kind of enjoy being around this child. But when they, when they fill that sacrificial void that we associate with motherhood, I don't know, like this thing was like all over the map and I disagreed with almost all of it. I think that's a good point that you said, though, because that kind of acknowledgement of the specifics requires a nuance that I think a lot of this is missing, right? Like, it requires um, a kind of embracing some pain and and really looking people in the eye and saying, I see you. 
um, as opposed to right. just saying yeah. everybody gets a rose, you know, and and I think that we as Americans are not great at dealing with public grieving and, and things like that. And um, we tend to just kind of uh, skip over the hard stuff. And, and even as Christians, I think sometimes we we don't um, know how to lament in a godly way. We don't know how to um, show both grief and appreciation uh, in, in the same you know, service um, to to appreciate those who are mothers and to grieve with those who who for whom this is a difficult time, um, and I think that that kind of nuance and that kind of care to um, kind of see the full picture and all of the texture that's there um, would be messy, you know, and it would be um, maybe not as like you said, saccharine and rosy, um, Katie. Um, but yeah, I think it would definitely it, it not be help. adorable. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that it would help. It, it would be a healing process. I, I think so too. Right. Yes. Yes. But I think that that's why yes, it's not necessarily choice. Number one is because it's, it's more difficult. Exactly. It would, be, it would be a process as opposed to just something that we could put on a five minute video. Um, I know when, when Brian and I got married, we waited a long, we waited like eight years before we had kids. And I was a teacher at the time. And every year, uh, every single year, people would tell me Happy Mother's Day because they said, "I will. I, you're a mother to your students in your classroom. And I was like, no, thank you, please. Um, I am definitely not a mother and I get to give them back. And uh, and I, Wait, I like I'm deliberately I, not a mother. Yeah, to and children. I would say every time I would say, no, I'm not. I was like, these, these mothers have such a harder job than I do, you know. And, I was, and also there is a teacher appreciation day. And I enjoyed yes. my teacher appreciation day. My, my school did a fantastic job with that. And they actually made it a whole week. Um, and we got stuff every day. And they had, you know, all this extra. And that was great. But I did not want to take away from the the day that was dedicated to these mothers who, you know, have this job that me as a, a young professional um, did not have to, <laughs> to, to deal with when I went home at the end of the day. And uh, so, yeah, I just I remember every single year being like, no, no, thank you. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a burden that I am ready to bear yet. Um, and, and I think that this ties into it, Katie, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, I think this ties into the other big issue that I see overwhelmingly around this time. And that's this idealization of mothers and motherhood, um, the, the stereotypes. Um, it's charged with all this pressure and expectation because we put so much pressure and expectations on mothers, on, on the role of mothers. Um, so this other article that we read from the Washington Post is called Mommy the Martyr, How the Overglorification of Motherhood Hurts Us All. And the author, Christian Organ, says, um, maybe because we know we expect too much from mothers, we glorify them uh, as a way of shoring up our expectations. Um, you know, if somebody complains that it's, it's too hard, it's too heavy a burden, and we say, oh, but you're so good at it. Isn't that the easiest way to dismiss any kind of objection um, to, to what we're asking of them? Um, and, and like you said, the tribute videos that I see, you know, that the churches play on, on Sunday morning on Mother's Day, um, they all talk about how incredible it is and all the jobs moms do. And, um, and I know if uh, listeners, if you heard our episode that we did a little while back on All the Rage, the book, we know we know from many, many studies that the burden of expectations on mothers is crushing, um, often to the point where it affects women's physical and mental health. It affects their jobs. It affects their relationships um, and, and so much more. It even affects the men in their lives and, and the businesses they work at. Um, and when we use Mother's Day to kind of reinforce those expectations and ideals, it can become this day of burden and this this extra guilt where we wonder if 
we re- really measure up to this idealized portrait that we're being painted as and, and this pedestal that we're being put up on. Um, or like in the article, it says we feel this pressure to be more all in. Um, and, and there's all these stereotypes that go along with it, these idealized images of this traditionally feminine uh, woman. That There's lots of pink, there's flowers, there's frills. It's very traditional family-centered. Um, and if any of that doesn't ring true to, to your experience, it can feel really alienating and judgmental as well. So uh, what did you guys think about that second article? Katie, what do you, what do you want to say about that? I liked it a lot. Um, I One of the things that I appreciated that she mentioned is that um, and I'm going to find it so that I don't qu- misquote her. Um, when she, she talks about, um, the problem of talking about motherhood as if it's the hardest job. And you'll see that all the time. You'll see people say that moms have the hardest job. Mm-hmm. Before. And she, mm-hmm. and she said, this was, I think this was my favorite part. She said, as mothers, we are not martyrs, nor should we expect ourselves to be. We are doing a job and engaging in a relationship and loving as best we can. Is being a mother hard? Of course, it is brutally hard, but so is being a father or caring for a sick parent or battling breast cancer or serving overseas in the military. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I think that, I think that that's really important. The other thing I think that another thing that I think is happening that she doesn't necessarily talk about it this way, but I think that there's a, there's motherhood, the, the job and there's motherhood, the relationship and they're two different things. Right. And I think that one reason mother's day can be over glorified, like she's talking about is because, um, when you get the when the emphasis on mothers it, within someone's Mother's Day observance, whatever, when the emphasis is on motherhood as a job, I think you get that over glorification. It's so hard. You're so great. Look at all the different stuff you can do. And you know, um, I think that Father's Day because so many, I feel like because so many more dads are work outside the home full time. You know, um, because there are so few stay at home dads. I think that Father's Day is much more about just the relationship you know, fatherhood, the relationship, not the job. That being. is an absolutely fascinating that, distinction, yeah. Katie. I don't know that yeah. I've ever heard anybody say it, but it's on point. Right. And, and, I, and I have yes. to give some credit. I think it was David. David and I were talking about this the other day because, you know, we talk about everything that either of us is going to podcast about. It just happens. Um, but I think that he, he might have been the one who made that distinction. I want to give him his proper credit and cite my source. I think maybe he said something about job versus relationship. And he may have even been talking about fathers when he said it, but it kind of clicked for me. And I thought that's what it is to be honest. And something yeah, I yeah. Had, good job, Dr. Dave. Right. And something I had told him that it had occurred to me is that I think one reason that, um, that I think that's one reason that mother's day became a much bigger observance is because so for so many women being a, a, a mom is their only job. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. so yeah. those women, I'm sure, you know, especially in the past, especially in the past, that was true. Right. So many women, uh, a majority of women, in the, at least especially in the more distant past, their job was being wife and mother at home. And so, you know, it became a big deal to celebrate their job, whereas I think, you know, um, men maybe, um, you know, have if they're working outside the home, maybe they get validation at work or, you know, th- their identities as fathers is not usually all tied up um, inextricably with their identities as workers, you know. Um, yes, absolutely. And yeah. so, I'm over here like nodding the whole yeah. time you're talking. So like, I think yeah. that that no, is, no. I think that that is part of it. I think that Mother's Day can be a much more positive thing and we can avoid that over glorification if there's an emphasis on the relationship more than the actual job tasks of being a mother, especially because so often I think the, um, 
you're awesome, you're a mom, you work so hard, then the things that are listed that moms are doing, all of those things are the things that like stay at home moms do like me. Um, and that could potentially, you know, that's not great either because then moms who work full time and only get to spend a few hours a day with their kid and maybe they feel guilty about that or maybe they're sad about it or maybe they're fine with it or whatever, but they're not necessarily going to be doing all the same things. So if you make it about a list of, of tasks about the work, then it becomes exclusionary again. And also it, I don't know, I, I don't love it. So that, that, I think that her article, she didn't say it that way, but her article made me think of that motherhood, the job versus motherhood, the relationship distinction. So I liked that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Megan, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I, okay. So you, you went through and you listed one of the, one of the things that, that came to mind for me was being a political scientist. We talk a lot, um, or we talk, we do talk, we did talk, um, in classes about a lot of, um, paradigms for relationships. And one thing that came up over and over again throughout my entire college career was that, um, it's this idea of idealization as a social control and you can look across time and across the planet, you know, like, like at all sort of socioeconomic levels in all religions and um, like, like just literally all across the planet, all across history. And you can see you've got the social sort of hierarchy and the dictates for each person within the hierarchy. And then you've got the specific gender roles that I know y'all have talked a lot about, about gender roles, like kind of throughout history. Um, but you've got, like, you've got the women, the mothers who actually follow those. They're condoned. They're even celebrated and sometimes in the places where they're, I would say, I don't want to say abused, but they're, uh, a lot of times they are abused. Abused or neglected for their basic needs. Those women, when they toe the line and they do what they're expected to do in that idealization, they are the ones who get the most rhetorical support. Um, then when you've got the different levels so that if they, if they kick against the boundaries or like they're bad at the things, like they're bad at the tasks, um, like Katie was mentioning, as as the job or like like for whatever reason, they get they can all be experiencing the same level of neglect or abuse, but it becomes it's not just in kind of in their private sphere. It becomes a a public like the near public sort of a neighborhood thing, and then if they get completely outside of the idealization boundaries. Like they're open to abuse from anywhere and neglect from everywhere and they have no protective structures anymore. Um, like like it's an actual documented phenomenon of idealization as social control. And then what we've got here is we want to think that mothers are safe. We want to think that women are safe. But then we've got this rhetoric that's giving mothers I don't I don't know like it's very prescriptive and we've got these checklists and so you've got like you can think about commercials and the way we talk to each other and all the mommy blogs and even like female empowerment it sets up a checklist of things that we're are are we doing them and if you're not doing them are you getting the support that you need um and it's not like it's not as as 
deliberately abusive now and in this sort of Mother's Day situation, but it's still there. And I thought that was kind of like, like reading the mommy martyr thing. Um, it, it was just like, like point for point demonstrating this kind of, I don't, I don't want to act like I think it's deliberate, but it's interesting to me that even in a place where we want to pretend like women have got power and everything's all right, that it's still going on. That is fascinating. Yeah, I love that. That That's such an interesting analysis. And I, I think that it's very true. And I think that a lot of our stereotypes and idealizations um, are a form of like tacit guidelines, right? It's, it's your, it's your job description and, and look how good you are at it. Aren't you, aren't you good at this? What, why, why aren't you good at this? Everybody else, look how great everybody else, you know what I'm saying? It, right. It's this kind of fine. subtext. Yeah. It's this subtext of everybody celebrating mothers who do X, Y, and Z. Well, you do X, Y, and Z, right? See, you're a good mom. And, so you're and an okay mom. Yeah. yeah, there's this implicit level of, of uh, expectation. And that's that's really interesting. And I think that this goes for Christian circles, too, sometimes even more so. Uh, I think that, you know, um, churches, especially different denominations, have very specific ideas of what they consider to be um, the role of mothers. And I know we've talked about that on several other podcasts. Um, and we see this come up uh, at, at Mother's Day, that there's going to be celebrations of specific things that mothers do as far as whether your church is complementarian or egalitarian, whether they support women um, working outside of the home or whether they prefer women to work in the home. You're going to see those stereotypes and those generalizations being brought out and then held up as the standard. Um, did you all want to talk about anything else or make any other comments before we move on to uh – closing out I think I'm I think I'm good um the only other thing that um well actually no let's let's move on because the last thing I had to say was about was about the next section anyway so let's let's go ahead perfect well let's talk about how like I don't want to end on a low note so let's talk about how we can redeem Mother's Day we've already given a couple of ideas for ways that we could address this that would be um more holistic, um, more, um, how can we honor mothers well, is the question. Um, either something good that you see that we should continue or something that we could make better. We've already given a couple of suggestions, but what are some ways that you think that we could approach Mother's Day, um, specifically as a Christian community or as a American society as a whole, that you think would um, do a better job of engaging this idea of celebrating mothers? Megan, what do you think? Um, I, I think I, I want to, to share an anecdote that is going to be a downer and then, um, <laughs> be able to be able to turn it around, um, to, to kind of go to, I, like, I don't, I don't want to get over into what, um, what, I, what I know you were about to say, but, um, I, I mentioned before and, and I keep talking about like mother's day is hard. Mother's day is hard. Um, and we, we all can sit and think for a minute and think of someone for whom Mother's Day is hard. We know mothers who have lost their mothers when they were young. And so Mother's Day was always a void or women who have lost children or couldn't have children. And so Mother's Day is hard. Um, I, 14 months before I was born, my mother um, gave birth to a baby boy who had a genetic kidney disorder. And um, so her 
her childbirth story was um was really traumatic um it was a really traumatic experience and then um when when josh when her baby was about three and a half weeks old he died um he was in an incubator for his whole life until the day he died the day he died is the first time she got to hold him after um her emergency c-section um so i don't remember not knowing about josh we would go especially when we were in town because like i said we lived away sometimes if we were in town we would go to his grave so like i always knew i had a brother josh an older brother josh i have a younger brother um also and so i knew about josh and i knew as i got older i began to realize like this week is monday of this week was his 37th birthday and the day that he died kind of you know the way weeks work it's most of the time like the weekend of mother's day so as i got older and and put details together and realized like not not only kind of the pain of my mom losing her first child but in the circumstances that she did um and then the just the time, like, and, and for my mother, like, knowing my mother, um, she's very detail-oriented. And she likes if there is a milestone or somebody's birthday or a holiday, she wants to celebrate it on that day. Like, she doesn't want to celebrate it around it. She wants to celebrate it on the day. Um, so I think for her, like, that just kind of compounded the pain. And that taught me um I think to be gentle with her about Mother's Day um not not to ignore it but to do what she wants and what she needs for Mother's Day which like I said like for a couple of years my kids went to her house um and spent the night with her even even if I couldn't go um like like I let her have my kids for that weekend and so um kind of kind of flipping it back around to to how can we redeem mother's day like she doesn't want to avoid talking about josh and i know that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who have been in similar situations who they don't they don't want to talk about it and so um like like that like that is an option that's an option if you want to avoid references to that pain like that's that's a valid response um but like my mother doesn't and she did not have very many people at all um, in her life who would actually talk about Josh. We've got people like now family who um, the family who would talk to her about it. Like, I, like I post about Josh um, on his birthday and then around mother's day. And um, like, I've got people, I've got cousins and an aunt who they always say something back that honors him. And um, I think Using that as an example, I think to redeem Mother's Day, one thing that we can do is um, to to be able to honor mothers well. I think we need to know our mothers well, and I think that we have got to do that kind of hard work of the mothers in our life that we appreciate the most, whether they are our own mothers or or the the people who stand in those kind of mother figure situations. I think you've got to kind of 
pull back from the overgeneralizations that we saw in that let's celebrate everybody article. And you've got to meet women who are mothers or who are mothering in their humanity, in that messy humanity. Like, I I think that's how we could redeem Mother's Day. It's just getting into the dirty, scary, confusing mess and loving them anyway. Loving them the way they want to be loved. Um, just letting it be okay for Mother's Day to be hard. Mm-hmm. I think that what you said about to honor mothers well, we have to know our mothers well, is going to stick with me for a long time. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. You're um, Katie, what do you think? I was thinking something related and thank you for sharing that Megan because that's that that's a much better way of saying something that I was thinking of which is just that it's important to remember that every family is different and they should feel free to celebrate differently however they want um you know so that if and because every mom is different you know so if if you know someone's mom really enjoys a big blowout party or a giant bouquet of flowers, whatever, that's cool, and they, they should feel free to do that um, and not be made to feel like they're, you know, flaunting their motherhood status, you know. But at the same time, you know, if you have a family like ours that's super low-key or families where it's actively not celebrated because it's painful, that should be okay, too. Um, I think it should be more idiosyncratic. It should be more, you know, every everybody does it differently. There shouldn't be this kind of template. I know one article that we read, but we didn't end up deciding to talk about was about specifically about the consumer commercialism of it all. But I think that, you know, when you have different stores having special Mother's Day pages of all things you can buy for Mother's Day, it, it flattens it out and it makes it seem like, oh, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Everybody needs to be doing these kind of similar things. And, you know, every mom is different. Some moms might like pretty pink flowers and some moms might like tickets to a soccer game. And that's fine, you know. Um, so that was one thing I was thinking is just that we, we need to remember the differences. And the other thing I would just say, too, is that just to, re- to, to reiterate that the idea of it's a job, but it's also a relationship. And one way I think it could be happier for lots of families or could maybe um, release women from some of those expectations is to focus on the relationship of motherhood and not on the job of motherhood more, um, which I think is actually more inclusive. If you're talking about motherhood as a relationship and not as a job, then that encompasses moms who are stay-at-home moms but also working moms and also you know um i mean it it can include every type of mom because you're talking about a relationship and not a certain type of labor unpaid labor you know um Mm -hmm. because that's the thing too leah when you used to have people tell you happy mother's day you know because you were a teacher that it's looking at the labor of Mm -hmm. motherhood and not the relationship and I think that, you know, maybe that's one reason it felt so weird to you, you know, because it, it's it's literally a relationship before it's a job. You know, I birth my child or if I, you know, people who adopt someone puts a baby in your arms, you are that child's mother and you haven't done anything yet. Like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, if you if you've given birth to a child or well, and if people who adopt, you know, you've gone through the process and all that's totally true. And there's work involved in all that stuff. But what I'm saying is, you know, the first time you hold your baby, you haven't done any work for that baby yet. You're not feeding the right. baby at all. You're not even changed the baby's diaper yet, but you're already the child's mother because it's relationship before mm-hmm. it's a job. And that's the important thing to remember, because that prevents 
things like treating everyone who does the job of caregiving as a mother, which is not true, or, you know, and so anyway, I think that's the key for me. And that's something I'm going to try to, I think that that's going to stick with me is the idea of remembering it's about a relationship, not a job. Um, and I think that too, um, and I'll say this in a second, this ties in with the, the article I'm recommending. I also think that thinking of it that way can release women from some of the, the high expectations that could then get dashed and disappoint them about Mother's Day. Because if you're thinking about Mother's Day as a day to celebrate the connection you have with your children and not, I better get kind of paid back for all this work I've been putting in, mm-hmm. I think you're much less likely to feel terrible yeah. at the end of it. You know, yeah, to feel I think those are really good points. Um, Absolutely. If, if you're trying to look at it as as a way to get payback or to get you know to get acknowledgement for everything that you've been doing all year, then it's going to fail. Now, I think also though, I, I mean, I think moms should get appreciation year round for the work they do. Like, I don't think it's wrong to want acknowledgement for your work, but if you're putting all your hopes on Mother's Day to get you know um, to get that, then I think it is it's, it's going to set you up for a fall, and Mother's Day is going to be terrible. Um, so that's my thing is just to stress relationship. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. That's such a good point. Um, And my recommendation, it might seem a little odd at first, but my recommendation is that I think that uh, America needs to uh, be more intentional about celebrating International Women's Day. I think that part of the issues that come up with um, the tension around Mother's Day is that women are so often not acknowledged for a lot of the things that they uniquely contribute to society, both in the microcosm of the home and the community and then the the macrocosm of, you know, our society, um, uh, even in, on the workplace, you know, um, and I think that most countries celebrate International Women's Day. Um, it's March 8th. Um, it's a big holiday in most of the world. And I think that if we took some of the weight off of the role as, of mother as the one, you know, um, societal role that we celebrate women in, and, and, and that's kind of an overgeneralization, but, but it's the big one, right? If we celebrated women for all the other roles that they fill as well, then maybe we wouldn't feel like there's quite so much weight and pressure on Mother's Day to, to hit all the buttons, right? Um, if we, if yeah. we kind of, um, acknowledge that like the article the Washington Post article said you know women in the military is a fantastic role in society that should be acknowledged and celebrated regardless of whether they have children right like we don't have to acknowledge every woman in one day like let's let's have several days where we acknowledge lots of different roles yeah and, yeah let's um, have more days I would yes. rather see more days yes yeah I like it I like that well and because you know it there's you're right there are other days there's grandparents day and there's international women's day and there's all these other times when we could celebrate um you know and teacher appreciation day Mm -hmm. um yeah I, I love that I think that's a great a great idea yeah and so we'll use that as our moving into passing on um I was going to recommend the book the Mommy Myth by Susan Douglas and Meredith Michaels. It it d- talks a lot about the idealization of motherhood. I think that's like actually the subtitle. Um, but the idea that there's this perfect kind of um, ideal of motherhood that is used to, uh, Megan, like you were saying, um, control the, the women um, in a society. And it's a little bit dated. It was written um, a few years ago. And I wish that when I was reading it, I found myself wishing that they would do an updated version because a lot of the statistics I feel like would be even more um, impactful now than they were 20 years ago whenever it was written. Um, But it's still very much worth a read. It's funny. It's interesting. It's not it's not dry at all. It's it's very entertaining, but it's also full of research. And uh, it's a it's a very good look at 
what it costs us to put uh, motherhood up on this pedestal, what it costs mothers, but also what it costs other women, what it costs fathers, what it costs society. And um, so I definitely recommend The Mommy Myth. Katie, what about you? My recommendation tonight is um, an article from 2017, which, by the way, I think there was there must have been a kerfuffle about Mother's Day in 2017 because there were so many articles written in 2017 about Mother's Day. Um, and is it problematic? Is it not problematic? Um, the one Wasn't that, it the 50th reunion or something? Or, uh, or wasn't there a reunion recently? I feel like there was a reunion recently. You know, I mean, uh, an anniversary that, recently. That could have been. It, it, yeah, that that's probably part of it. Um, the, the article that I'm recommending is from the Gospel Coalition, and it's called How to Not Ruin Your Own Mother's Day by a woman named Sarah Wallace and I really enjoyed it she at the beginning she starts by narrating a terrible Mother's Day that she had which is nobody's fault but it was one of these situations where they had four five or six small children in a Mex in a Mexican restaurant and the food took an hour to arrive and that's all you need to hear if you have children oh yeah um, that's a, yeah yeah that's, and yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> but she I really liked it because she talks a lot about the problem with treating it as a date she calls it a day for compensation um if you know and that idea of if you're measuring yourself against a list of what the perfect mom is and you're trying your best and working so hard and you're looking to mother's day to compensate you for your labor and re and validate your identity then it's it can be you know it can be a problem and it, and it and it can make it painful and so um and and talks about you know kind of finding finding your identity not in in a perfect mom checklist, but really in Christ. Um, and so I, I thought it was, was useful and it's, um, it's a quick read. So hopefully listeners will enjoy it. That's awesome. Megan, what about you? Um, so Katie mentioned earlier when she was talking about the history of mother's day, that, um, one of the kind of, kind of very early, not, not necessarily direct influences, but, but an early influence on Jarvis for creating or campaigning for mother's day, was um, a thing written by Julia Ward Howe, who who wrote the Battle Hymn of the Republic. By the way, I don't know if I don't know if people know that, but it always every time I hear that, I, I have read this thing before, and every time I, I see that kind of juxtaposition, I'm like, oh, what? Yes. Um, what I'm recommending is this appeal to womanhood throughout the world that became known as the Mother's Day Proclamation, and um, the the link that I provided to include in the show notes um, is actually to the Wikipedia article. And I really like that because it's got the full text of the appeal, which um, is actually a little bit violent, um, which I kind of, I'm not going to lie. I liked it um, that, that it was a little bit rowdy. Um, <laughs> it's got that, it's got some background information. And then the, the references, it's got a reference to um something called an American time capsule, um, like broadsides and other just kind of some printed um, material that's available from the Library of Congress. And then it's got other information about Julia Ward Howe. And I think even I'm trying to look and see. Well, no, but it, it kind of talks about responses to it. Um, so I, I liked that it's got the proclamation and then it's got some context and some better information about um, how. So that's what I would like to pass on. That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely worth reading. And I want to check out the Wikipedia page now. That sounds great. Um, well, thank you for listening to the Christian Feminist Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a topic or a reading recommendation for future shows, or if you just want to drop us a line, you can do so at christianfeministpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page or at the network's Twitter handle at chradionetwork. 
And check out the show's notes from this and other episodes at the Christian Humanist blog at christianhumanist.org. The Christian Feminist Podcast is a member of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. Kristen Philippic is our press liaison. For Katie and Megan, I'm Ilea Danner-Grubbs. Tune in in two weeks when we'll discuss the communion of the saints. Until then, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love.